So uh, the title of this message is A Babylon Needs a Jerusalem. Okay? And I felt like the Lord was just speaking um, a series of things, particularly at this time of season in the West and particularly in the United States. Uh, and uh, I, I felt the Lord was on it. Um, as I, I feel like he's, he's on the word each week, but I, I had a special feeling from the, from the Holy Spirit, more than a feeling, an inclination and, and, and agreement with him that this is what a, a message that we, if we can grab a hold of, it's, it's going to keep us pure. It's going to keep us pure uh, in the days ahead, in the weeks ahead, going into election season, and really keep us pure um, through the longevity of our life on this planet, okay? Uh, so if Babylon needs a Jerusalem, and so it kind of begins a little heavy, because it's, it's, a lot of this is coming out of the book of Revelation, uh, but you know, we'll pull it back and Hopefully not be so heavy, but you know, if anyone who you know to, to understand the full picture of Jesus, yeah, you got to read the entirety of the Bible, right? You got to read Daniel, you got to read the prophets, and uh, you got to read Revelation uh, to get a full picture of what the cosmos, right, what the the historical narrative truly is, right? You know, Jesus is love and wrath. Right? He's both. Um, and only he can be that because he's so pure. Uh, but let's see. Let's open up to Revelation chapter 17. <clears throat> Great book. Highly encourage you to read it and meditate uh, for multiple reasons. One, because it's the future. And two, I think it really brings the gospel into a full culmination and a full understanding. Okay? Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. Then one of the same seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names and of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthy, filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written. This is really important. Verse 5. And on her forehead... A name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. All right. So this is a foretelling of the future, right? Uh, during the great tribulation for the coming of the Lord. There is a, a bunch of different things that are, are out there, okay? Uh, and people have been discussing this and trying to figure this all out throughout the years. And so let's just talk about the, the whore of Babylon, okay? Babylon is a city. Uh, it's a city of days ago. Uh, but it seems to be in the book of Revelation that there's a resurgence of this city of Babylon in power and in might. There's also a creature that is in this story, a beast. And then there is a woman. The woman is the representation of the whore of Babylon. 
Now, what is going on here is very important. The nations of the earth, the nations of the earth, and mankind has aligned themselves with her. Okay? It's, it's, it's like all of the nations have aligned themselves with her. Okay? So a lot of people want to try to figure out who is this Babylon, who is this whore of Babylon. And it, that, that might be a, an interesting perspective, maybe even be important, I'm not sure. But the reality here is all of the nations have come underneath her spell. All of the nations have come underneath her spell. And what has happened? They have grown drunk off of her cup of intoxication. They have grown drunk off of the cup of her intoxication. Another thing that happens here, it seems to be that the nations of the earth are completely full and encompassed with luxury and greed. And of course, there's an element of fornication, which is really a representation of pursuing the pleasures of the flesh. So we have the nations of the earth and mankind on planet earth have, has become completely enraptured by her spell. The spell of money, the spell of luxury, the spell of luxurious living, the spell of tantalizing the flesh, a living a life that is pleasing for the self. Okay? And the nations have become intoxicated by her cup of wine. Now, after using the whore of Babylon, the beast, the enemy, is going to destroy her. Say, and that's that's something pretty interesting, right? The, the enemy, the devil, will use this whore of Babylon and promise her things. But after using her, the enemy destroys, the beast destroys the war of Babylon. Hmm. And so, I'm not sure if you've come in contact with this. I'll be honest, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So in the 80s, everyone was talking about this kind of story, depending on what kind of stream you were in. But what was frustrating here is the focus on the war of Babylon was who is it? Who will it be? Who's the nation that's going to represent this? Like I said, that could be an important thing, but let's 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 unpack this a little bit. And I think we really need to read the fullness of the scripture to understand what we I think we need to be warned of or warned about. So understanding Babylon a little bit. Um, in the past, we have a notion and we have a physical entity known as Babylon. Really, it's uh, the place of exile for the Jewish Jewish people in the fifth and sixth centuries. Or really, seventh and sixth centuries. This is where you have the story of, of Jeremiah. You have the story of Daniel, right? And then what happens here is interesting. Of Babylon is going to be taken over by Persia. Then you roll into the story of Esther, and then there is a liberation. But it's a place of exile. It's a place where the Jewish people are taken into captivity, and they're there and they're living there for seventy years. Babylon is also a geographical location. Of course, it's in modern-day Iraq, essentially. Okay? Uh, and then also, what we have here in the book of Revelation, it appears to be that the Babylon, or the whore of Babylon, may in fact, may not be a geographical location of Iraq, but it seems to me that this whore of Babylon is a manifestation of the works of the enemy, and really the works of the Antichrist and the beast. Okay? So there's a lot of different things going on. There's a geographic location in the Bible known as Babylon. Modern day Iraq. At the same time, there is this whole notion that actually the Jewish people were exiled into a literal place of Babylon 2,500 years ago. And then a third thing here is I was just saying, in the future there is a spirit 
spirit of Babylon that intoxicates the nations. Okay? All right. Now, I think that many people, many believers, and if this is all new to you, you're probably like, okay, whatever, this is new, this is cool, let me hear what he's going to say. But those people that have been around, I think that a lot of churchgoers throughout the ages have, 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 have lost focus. And what I mean by that is if I take a look at church history, everyone thinks they know who the whore of Babylon is. And they use the scriptures to try to prove who they are. In fact, even Peter seems to make it an alliteration that it's Rome. In Peter, he talks about the seven hills and Babylon, the seven hills of Rome. So many of the church fathers are like, the whore of Babylon shall be the greatest civilization that the world has ever seen at the time, and that's the Roman Empire. But Rome, Rome comes and Rome goes. And so they had to come up with a new theory. Who is going to bring forth a cup of intoxication that's going to allure the nations of the earth? And surely it shall be the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church must be the whore of Babylon and Protestantism is the deliverance of it. Well, the Catholic Church has really been losing its edge, if you will, throughout history quite a bit. So then they had to reevaluate it. And when I was growing up, the whore of Babylon was going to be communism. Going to be the Soviet Union, it was going to be China. And then the Soviet Union fell apart in 1991, and then people were like, oh, we must create a new whore of Babylon. So some even said, oh, well, the whore of Babylon with this luxury intoxication is going to be the West, the United States, England, with its wealth, its power. Whatever. Because I have no idea who the whore of Babylon is, and I'm not even going to try to speculate because everyone who ever speculated who the whore of Babylon is, that nation ceased being powerful. That nation, in some regards, even no longer exists. Wow. So, whatever. I don't know what it's going to be. But I do know this, that in the end of the age, all of the nations come underneath her spell. It's not all the nations except for the United States. It's not even all the nations except for Israel. All of the nations come underneath her spell. Wow. And so then we gotta stop and pause. What could be so enticing that all of the nations will come underneath, come underneath her spell? And so here we go. Uh, the event of a physical Babylon, which in fact seems to be very clear in the book of Revelation, right? But the event of a physical Babylon teaches not only a physical reality, but also a spiritual principle. Many have focused on who the physical whore of Babylon will be, and by doing so, they may have missed the influence of the spirit of Babylon on modern man, allowing that spirit to enter into sacred space. What am I getting at? Revelation, Revelation, Revelation. The Babylon the Great. Mystery. Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots and of the abomination of the earth. That's something that's going to come into the future. That's the future. That's the future. And if I can find out which nation it is, I can protect myself from it. What I'm saying here, if I feel the Lord is saying, is by having that kind of focus, if you are someone who reads the Bible in that manner, 
is we have to take a pause and say, oh my goodness, in order for a Babylon the Great to exist, there's going to have to be a plan of it coming to fruition. And I think the planning of that may in fact be decades in the making, even maybe centuries in the making, or even generations in the making, but there could be a spiritual principles that are being laid down. And it's this alignment that I want to talk about. And so this beckons a couple questions here. Which spirit is being allowed to enter into sacred space? Your faith. And so in your life, to whom and to what are you aligning in your life? I really need you to answer this right now in your own mind. This is a very, very loaded question. And so if you're mature into faith, I want you to take a moment and say, what am I aligning myself with? Two, which city are you choosing to inhabit in the spirit? Are you choosing a Babylon or are you choosing a Jerusalem? And of course, we need to unpack this. And so first, let's, let's actually take a look in order to understand the future of the spirit of Babylon, I think we need to take a step back and we need to take a look at the past of Babylon. In order to understand what she shall be, we need to take a look at, at who she was. We find this in Jeremiah chapter 14. Jeremiah and the false prophets. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 13. This is Jeremiah speaking to the Lord. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you a short peace in this place. Uh, what's going on? Babylonians are at the gates of Jerusalem. Prophets have come forth and said, Never fear, O Israel, the Lord shall protect you, and you will not be taken into exile. And all of the prophets are saying that. And Jeremiah hears from the Lord and says, they are false prophets, they are speaking lies. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesied lies in my name. I have not sent them. I have not commanded them, nor spoken to them. The prophecy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing and the deceit of their own hearts. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send and who say sword and famine shall be in this land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. And Jeremiah continues to give a prophecy that says, actually, the false prophets are wrong. I have heard from the Lord and you will be taken into captivity. See, all the false prophets are promising good times. You're the beloved of the Lord. Nothing will forsake you. You will live in the land of Israel. And Babylon will not be able to gain hold of you. And Jeremiah says, no, it's actually the Lord's hand that you will be exiled into Babylon. For 70 years you shall be. Hmm. Now. Jeremiah chapter 29. He goes on. Well, he goes on throughout the whole book of Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah 29.10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I think this is, this is, this is lovely. Lovely. Modern day Christians will take Jeremiah 29 and give you a promise, right? Which is true. But the context is you need to hear the promise because you are living in exile. I know the plans I have for you. That scripture verse is directed to the nation of Israel not to get like a bigger bank account. It is you're living in a foreign land because of the judgment of the Lord. But one day you will come out because the Lord has a future plan for you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, do I believe that we take these Old Testament promises and that we have a part in them? 100%. 100%. And the Lord does have a plan for you and wishes well towards you. But what's so interesting here is the context of Jeremiah 29 or when they sit by the waters of Babylon and weep. How can I play a song unto the Lord in a foreign land? Write songs. And there's a couple things that I think that we have. One is, wherever you are, and in whatever situation you may be in, spiritually, physically, the prophet Jeremiah is saying unto you to do what? Not to complain, not to whine, but to build, but to plan. Whatever circumstance, this is amazing. You're taken into exile, which actually in some strange way actually was the grace of the Lord. And when you're there, you're to continue to live. You're to build gardens, plant gardens, build homes, continue with life. And I thought the Lord was saying this, whatever you are going through, you need to continue on living. As Teddy Roosevelt says, do what you can with what you have where you are. And so look, man, it's a very weird time right now. Coronavirus, restrictions, economics, all of it. It's almost like we're in this kind of Babylonian time period. It's like the Lord is saying, well, continue to live. Don't just huddle away. But continue to build, continue to plan. And so as I said, I do not know who Babylon is, but I do know that some already... I should say this. I do not know who Babylon is, but I do know, unfortunately, that some are already choosing to drink the cup of her wine. Amen. So, you know, I want to be very careful here because I really, I really don't want people to take things out of context. Okay? I want to be very careful. I want to slow it down. Jeremiah preaches a judgment. But actually there's a grace in the judgment. The false prophets are preaching only good times. 
The sincerity of being called a prophet in the Old Testament and giving a wrong prophetic word was the stoning to death. Now be very careful because prophecy underneath the New Testament takes on a little bit of a different nuance. Someone gives a prophetic word, you don't stone them. Okay. But it's this, man. How many of you were listening to prophetic words eight months ago that said that coronavirus was going to pass by Easter? Big name people. Very big name people. How many of us are like, pray it away, Lord. Pray it away, Lord. Pray it away, Lord. How many of us were quoting, right? If you humble yourself and you pray, the Lord shall heal your land. But how many of us forgot the preceding verse? Go look it up. The preceding verse. We like to quote, if we humble ourselves and if we pray, the Lord shall heal our land. The preceding verse is, the Lord has sent a plague to your land. I know you're not going to like this. I don't know what, what the whole contingency plan in, in heavenly places is. But I know, do know this. I really do believe it's a matter of alignment. It's a matter of which spirit are you listening to. It is very easy to listen to the unicorns and butterflies of the Christian church. And these big prophetic guys and gals who said things and got things wrong, I think the Lord uses them. And I think they may get 95% of prophetic words right. And I don't have any judgment towards them. And I don't have any casting of stones under the New Testament context. There's grace. You're allowed to make mistakes. But I didn't hear any of them come forward and say, I made a mistake. If you did, please let me know. I haven't heard any of them say, I got it wrong. And I repented before the Lord to say, thus saith the Lord, and it was not the Lord. Now, I'm not their pastor, I'm not their apostle, so whatever. There is a, there's, there's a sincerity here. We like to listen only to the good word. It may not be the right word. I like hearing that the Lord is going to move and lift coronavirus by Easter. And then it was going to be by Pentecost. And then it was going to be by the summer. Apparently he hasn't lifted it yet. But the preceding verse, that's it's amazing. And so what I believe here is this. I believe, honestly, I believe the nations have already began to drink the wine. And I believe people in the church have already begun to drink the wine. And there's a certain alignment. And it's not just let me just listen to the things that tantalize my ears. It's not just let me, let me listen to the things that, that make me feel good. I, I really do think it's, 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 it's a bigger issue than that. It's, a, it's an issue of what are we choosing to align ourselves with? The prophet Jeremiah or the prophet of a false prophet? Now it's prophesied what shall happen. Revelation chapter 18, verse 3. 
For all the nations have drunk of the wine and of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Okay? So what do we have here? The nations of the earth have drunk the wine of intoxication. It tells us what it is. Number one, it's an increased reliance on world systems. You need to get this. In the 21st century, this is what's coming down the pipe, people. Globalized network of trade. The global network of allied nations and businesses will provide for your wealth, your health, and will usher in world peace. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds intoxicating, doesn't it? I believe that the spiritual Babylon is an alignment to what the world says and does. It's an alignment to what the world expects. And I think some of the church are beginning to sit. We expect a coronavirus to just go right away when we pray. But just maybe, that's not the Lord's plan. And some of you may have may be upset with that, but I choose to read the Bible in its full context. I don't know, and we've all been saying that the Lord did not bring the virus. Because he's grace, because he's love, because we have authority. But that's what Jeremiah was dealing with. The Babylonians will not come and take us away because the Lord has love and grace. I would not be so bold to state on the opinion of the Lord. But I will be humble enough to say, Lord, I don't know. Because we've been praying, we've been doing it. But maybe, just maybe, maybe something that I would not choose, like going to Babylon, will actually bring a greater revelation of the gospel and greater redemption of the kingdom of God. Because it's in Babylon that Daniel was made manifest. It's in Persia that Esther was raised up. It's after 70 years that a Nehemiah and Ezra are compelled and are fighting to build a temple. To turn the hearts of a nation back to the Lord. So I don't know. And I would, I would, I would not try to make a call on it. But what I'm feeling from the Lord is it's not the coronavirus element. It's this. We need to be careful that we don't just gravitate to a spirit of Babylon that tantalizes the flesh. It's very intoxicating. And I want to be careful about what I'm aligning with. Amen to that. Because I'm honest, there's things in the church where I think we may be aligning more with humanism, yeah. aligning more with new age, touchy feelings, 
aligning more with self-help guides of get what you want and the Lord wants to give you everything you want. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He gives you what you need. Amen. And he gives you what he wants to do on earth. And I'm telling you right now, wherever you are in your pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation rapture thing, <laughs> scholars are, are, are all over the place with it. Yeah. If you believe in a gospel where Jesus gives you everything you want and everything you feel you want, you will not last a week in tribulation. If you're getting bugged out now with coronavirus, <laughs> strap in your seatbelts. Because when and if you're here for tribulation, depending on where you are theologically, he has to speed up that day for he will not find faith on planet Earth. You won't last a week. You won't last a week if you align with the teachings of Babylon. Now, continuing with some of this, something that People glance over if they are reading this. I'm sorry if, if I'm losing some of you in this because you may not have read the book Revelation. You may not have read this whole horror of Babylon motif. And everything I just said to you is very loaded. I, 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 I can kind of get it and understand. I hope I know. You know. In this church, we can agree to disagree. And I'm not like one that's like, this is exactly what the Lord is doing. Like coronavirus is from the Lord or not from the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And the New Testament paradigm and all that kind of stuff. Look, all I'm saying, all I'm trying to say is this. I think we need to approach things with a humble spirit. And say, Lord, I'm not going to just align myself with what sounds right and good. I want to align myself with what you are really doing. Amen. Amen. You got that right. And so people are like, yeah, but come on, man. Corey Ten Boom. A born-again, spirit-filled believer in a concentration camp. You think she prayed that away? Yes. But yet she was in a concentration camp. And she's a beloved of the Lord. But why? It's not the Lord's plan. It's not the Lord's plan. It's not the Lord's plan. Is he all-powerful? Is he all-powerful? Now how can you say it's not his plan? He's everywhere. And he's all powerful. And when she's there, she shared the gospel. Amen. And when she was there, she almost died. The Lord saved her life. Amen. And she became an evangelist. How can you say that's not the Lord's plan? Right. What if coronavirus was brought forth to shake up the church? What if it was brought forth to raise awareness of what you really are and who you really are? What if coronavirus is brought forth by the hand of God to show you where your church really aligns? Amen. Yeah, I just got sensitive. That's right. That's right. Only 45 people are watching this on YouTube. It's okay. When 4,000 watch, maybe I have to be a little careful. No, I won't. But guys, seriously. This shaking is just like going to Babylon. Who stands on the word of the Lord? Who's willing to go through the difficult times to see 70 years go by when you come back to the land of Israel and the nation is revived? And with one hand they have a sword and with another hand they have a hammer building up. Maybe that's what the Lord is doing. 
But he tried to pray it away. Because the prophet said, But I don't know. And I think that's a good place to begin. I don't know. But wherever I am or whatever I'm in, I'm going to build. Wherever I am, whatever's going on, I'm going to plant. While others are huddled away, not building, not planting, I'm going to build and I'm going to plant. Because the Lord has said, when you're in exile, build, plant, continue living. Do what you can with what you have. A great shaking has occurred. Now let's go back to uh, Babylon. What we have here is uh, Revelation chapter 17, verse 5. People have a tendency to glance over this. It says here, mystery, Babylon the Great. The full name of this spirit that brings forth intoxication is mystery. Mystery, Babylon the Great. I think this gives a, a fullness to understand this. Mystery, the unknown thing. Now, the spirit of Babylon, the whore of Babylon, will bring forth the answer. <clears throat> and I think it's this, the great mystery, that the spirit will be the one that answers all of your questions. It will provide a solution for all that you have. Because there's a mystery and she answers the mystery. There's an unknown of what if and what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to our nation, and then there's an answer. And the answer is provided, not by the Lord, but provided by a false prophet. It's provided by the spirit of Babylon. So spiritually, uh, the city of Babylon, I believe, it, it's really what we're going on here. It's the whore of Babylon is really the ways and the rationale of the world. Getting your answers and getting things met by a rationale of earthly thinking. And I really do believe that the church is drinking that wine. What makes sense? And I mean, I, I can really disturb people, but what makes sense in the house of the Lord during coronavirus? What makes sense? What makes sense? What's God saying? I think we really need to protect ourselves in the church, protect ourselves as a bride, not to listen to the voice of the world and listen to the rationale of the world. Because the rationale of the world, I'm going to be honest, is getting more and more intoxicated. That's human progress. It's getting more and more intoxicated because it can provide more and more of your needs and wants. It's extremely intoxicating. And so you got to guard yourself against that. So the city of Babylon, the whore of Babylon, is the ways and rational of the world, but Jerusalem is not a city of this world. Or rather said, Jerusalem is a city where heaven and earth meet. Babylon is an earthly construct. Jerusalem is when heaven and earth meet. And so we're not beating ourselves up here. Let's do a little hinge to the preaching. Do a little hinge to the story. Mary, if you come on down to this. Yerushalayim. Ir, city, shalom, peace. It's a city of peace. But it's not just a city of peace. It's cities of peace. It's actually plural. Amen. 
The Lord gave the name Jerusalem and made it plural. Why? Because there's two Jerusalems. Don't you ever forget it. There are two Jerusalems. There's an earthly Jerusalem and there's a heavenly Jerusalem. And at the end of the age when the whore Babylon is kicked out, the heavenly Jerusalem shall descend upon the physical. Amen. And I'm telling you today, the world and the church needs not just to see a Jerusalem, the world and the church today needs to be shown the Jerusalem. You need to show them the heavenly realm. You need to show them the heavenly truth. Jerusalem, the city of peace. So funny. It is known by historians to be the city which has been attacked and conquered more than any other city in the history of mankind. Do you hear that? How can a city of peace be a city that's been conquered and fought over more than any other city on planet Earth? I'll tell you why. I hope you can make the physical and spiritual leap. Because Babylon wants to invade Jerusalem, that's why. Babylon physically during the times of Jeremiah wants to invade Jerusalem. I'm telling you in the spirit that the thinking of Babylon wants to invade the spiritual thinking of Jerusalem. Rationale, reason, the right approach. But you see, Jerusalem confounds the wise. Babylon is light. Babylon is beautiful. Babylon is great. Babylon provides the answers in the end of the age to all things. But Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, confounds the wise. Because in Jerusalem, it's where a crucifixion takes place. Jerusalem confounds the wise because it's there, there, where death brings forth life. It's a city where God has placed his name on. It's a city where it is the only city on planet Earth that is guaranteed an eternal future. Babylon shall be destroyed. The spirit and the horror of Babylon shall be destroyed. And when it is destroyed, it's being destroyed. It's a destroyed of earthly thinking. Please me. It's a, even in the church, it's a gospel, or rather I should say a me-centric Gospel. It's all about me and what you can give me. I'm going through a hard time. Take it away. I believe the Lord wants to take it away, but I also believe that sometimes we go through things to wrestle. Amen. To lean on the Lord. You can't miss the lesson. But the false prophets, Listen to the spirit of Babylon. We'll preach a different message. So. Revelation 18. And I heard another voice. Spirit of Babylon is doing its thing. Spirit of Babylon is intoxicating the church, intoxicating the nations, 
But John says, I heard another one. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Come out from the intoxication, the thinking of Babylon, the thinking of this world. Come out from her. Now, sermons are funny. Because people take what they want. But maybe that's the beauty of the word, actually. And so what is seen in this whole paradigm, right? You see the whore of Babylon, we see fornication. We see lust. We see wine. We see gluttony. We see greed. But what is unseen? Because Babylon is called Mystery Babylon. Really, if you take a look in the book of Revelation, and please, I am not making any kind of political statement here. I'm just teaching from the word. And it may offend some of you, but it's a biblical teaching. The whore of Babylon allows the political systems of the day to bow down to a spirit that is antichrist. Right? I mean, that's what's going on here, right? It's, it's the convergence of spiritual and political in, in a negative sense. I shall provide all of your need, spirit of Babylon. And the nations of the earth and the governmental systems of the earth are all raised up to be with the Antichrist. That's not like going to maybe happen. It will happen. Of all of the nations. And it produces activity through dominance, fear, and coercion. And the book of Revelation makes it very clear. These political systems... will promise peace. And in scriptures, and Jesus himself says, it's a false peace. They say to reach a utopia, to reach the ideal place where everything's going to be okay, and everything's going to be great, will, shall, will and shall be done through man. That is a very intoxicating lie. It's the place of men's rationale, men's hopes in men. And the spirit of Babylon is, the, is, is what seems to be right, using reason and rationale, and using man's abilities to bring forth peace. That's very intoxicating. But the spirit of Jerusalem, where heaven and earth meet, is a very, very different attitude. Because in Jerusalem, that is the place where God laid down his life. God, the all-powerful being, laid down his life. He didn't come in with force. He didn't come in with dominion. Spirit of balance is going with dominion. Jesus looks to his disciples 
before he's gone to the crucifix and he washes their feet. And he proclaims the greatest shall be the least of you. And when his disciples use rational thinking, you have come, and the prophecies have said, you have come to create a physical kingdom. He says, I have come to create a spiritual kingdom. My physical kingdom will come later. The spirit of Babylon says force. The spirit of Jerusalem says, let go and let God. The spirit of Babylon says, build your own kingdom. The spirit of Jerusalem by Jesus says, kill the flesh. Lay down your life. And then, then you'll find it. The spirit of Babylon says, do everything you can to keep your life and to save your life and save your life and stabilize your life. But Jerusalem, Jesus says, do the opposite. Lay your life down. Lean not on your own understanding and then you will finally find life. The spirit of Babylon, I'll be honest, it's even leaking into the churches because we began to drink the wine. Build a network of power. Build a network of money. Build a network of influence and gratify the flesh. Well, Jesus says there's no greater love to lay down your life for a brother. And if you're laying down your life, that means you're laying down your influence. If you're laying down your life, it means you're laying down your piggyback. It means laying down your life, it means laying down your church building to help other people and not just charging people to accumulate more wealth. It's all about laying it down and then he raises it up again. But the spirit of Babylon says conserve, keep, control, grow, power, dominion, be all of this. What Jesus says, you've missed it. You've drunk the cup of intoxication. The spirit of Babylon says power and might. The spirit of Jesus in the place of Jerusalem where he lays down his life says, come to me. Come to me as a child. And the grandiose, unbelievable thing is it is the spirit of Jerusalem that defeated sin and death. It is the spirit it is the spirit that will defeat the whore of Babylon. It is that spirit of Jerusalem of Jesus that will defeat the devil at the end of the age. And it is that spirit that should be working in your own life. Revelation chapter 18. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. I'm telling you right now, the church needs to come out of that spiritual authority of reason, rationale, and earthly thinking. We need to be removed from that. And I dare say, even now during this, this election season, Usually I give some kind of like God and politic preaching for the election. And maybe this is it. Be careful what you put your hope in. Yes, vote according to your conscience. Absolutely. Vote in accordance to biblical standards and principles. Absolutely. But be careful. Be careful you're not getting wrapped up in the spirit of Babylon. Because revival does not come from the White House. 
Revival comes from the temple of the Lord that resides inside of Jerusalem, inside of your heart. Hope, future, salvation, goodness, peace. I don't want the fake one. I want the real one. That only comes from the Mount Calvary. It does not come from the Capitol building. But it's very easy, especially now, to drink the cup of wine of the world and of the nation. This person this person will provide your salvation. This person will usher in the greatness of this nation. Nah. It's Jesus. Amen. Vote according to your conscience. I'm going to vote. I have conscience. I'm going to vote what I believe. Absolutely. Amen. But it is such an easy line. Whoop! Spirit of Babylon. Whoop! Spirit of Jerusalem. I hear you guys talk. Facebook posts. <laughs> Spirit of Babylon. Look, I got it easy. We have a small church. We got it easy. I don't need this paycheck. I can speak truth. And if you all leave, it's alright. Still pay my bills. You don't pay me enough in order for me to rely on it. So I can tell you the truth. There's a lot of spirit of Babylon right now in the election. Yes, vote according to your conscience. But come out from her. Come out from her. It's about the gospel. It's about the lifting up of the name of Jesus. It's about crucifying the flesh. It's about laying it down. It's about loving your brother more than yourself. It's about not leaning on your own understanding, but trusting the Lord thy God. It's not listening to the false prophets that just tantalize your flesh and make you feel all bubbly. It's listening to a Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, that says, repent. And if you don't repent, you shall go to Babylon. You shall, shall spend 70 years in exile. Come out from her. Feel the Lord, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is saying in our hour to come out from the spirit of Babylon. Luxury, greed, pleasure, tantalizing the flesh, intoxication of listening to how the world will provide for you. Come out from her while it is still time. Revelation 20, because this is what's about to happen. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Chapter 21. Now I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth. And I saw a new heaven and I saw for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, 
coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed. Come on, let's, let's stand up and we'll pray to this. Father, I pray right now that we as a church can be a spiritual Jerusalem. Lord, that we can be a spiritual Jerusalem to people even in the church and people in our nation who have adopted the spirit of Babylon. But Lord, in order to do that, we need to be trained on how to show them. Lord, we need to be trained in how to empower people. We need to have a right way of thinking. And so I just, I just ask guys, even, even next week, the next couple weeks, we're going to be preaching into this. We're going to be teaching into this. How can you be empowered to go forth in the spirit of the Lord? To come up against that spirit of Babylon. But the first step, the first step is you need to come out from her yourself. So Father, we pray for freedom. Holy Spirit wisdom to see if that rational, earthly wisdom is dictating our mindset and dictating our spirit. Come out from the greed, yes. Come out from the lust, yes. Come out from the fornication, yes. But come out from the mystery. That there are unknown things. And the earth, the rulers of the earth, shall provide that for you. Come out from her in Jesus' name. Dwell in the land of the living. Dwell in a land milk and honey dwell in a place relying on only the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a cafe outside, inside, not exactly sure. It's a little cold out, but feel free to have some time of fellowship. Hope to see you on Wednesday. We're praying for our nation. Pray for our community.